and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello. Coming up on today's show, what your Spotify wrapped says about you. <laughs> Plus, Juno star Elliot Page announces he is transgender. Rihanna has a very famous new boyfriend and why conservatives lost their fucking minds over Harry Styles wearing a dress in Vogue. But first, Michelle, how was your week? My week was good. I have to address something that I said on the podcast last week because my mum listens to every episode. What did you say? I'm not even I know what's happening. So I probably should have picked this up because you and I record Zara and then we listen to everything back before it goes out because we want to be quite conscious about the episodes we put out into the world. And I didn't pick this up after not only being in the recording but then re-listening to it. I said in our quick and dirty segment on Meghan Markle that people are ridiculous to hate people they've never met. Which is a bit of a blanket (laughs) statement considering about 20 minutes later I then said I hated Prince Charles. (laughs) Now, it will be a surprise to no one that I've never met Prince Charles. (laughs) I think what I meant to say is that I don't think it's fair to hate someone without a concrete pointable to reason. And I think when it comes to Meghan Markle, a lot of people throw out that she annoys them or they don't like her or she's unlikable and they can't pin down anything in particular that she seems to have done wrong. Her existence annoys them for no clear reason. Now, I would argue Prince Charles is a man who has made a lot of mistakes or at least a decent number of mistakes in the public eye. I would say he's done some things to Princess Diana in particular to make him not very likeable to women like me. And he is also a central part of the palace, which I consider to be an archaic, racist gross institution. So that is the clarification I want to make. I've got to say, that sounds like a long, windy way of saying (laughs) I was wrong. I I don't hate him. I dislike some of the things he has done. Thank you to my mother, Vicky Marie Andrews, for pointing that out to me and to a couple of shameless listeners who very, very politely and kindly slid into our DMs to ask me how I felt about my own contradiction. (laughs) (laughs) Any recommendations this week? Continuing on the royal theme, I want to recommend the story of Diana on Netflix. It is a two-part documentary. Have you seen this? No, no, I'm just, it's on my list. It's good. It's good. Diana's brother is involved in the documentary. He is one of the many people, the many friends and people close to Diana who are interviewed in this two-part Netflix special. It's long. I'm pretty sure each episode or each part is about 80 or 90 minutes. So you've got to be in it for the long haul but man oh man guys am I in the Diana thing for the long haul this obsession is rampant and it is concerning I don't want to be arrogant but I think I come into this sort of recommendation and this documentary with the question of what more could I learn what more could I possibly know (laughs) you can't it's retracing a whole bunch of stuff you already know I genuinely feel like I know it all I know it better than fucking Prince Charles and Diana (laughs) at this rate no but I probably will still watch that so that's a good wreck I just love it like give it to me in a million different ways tell me the same information a million different (laughs) times I am on board just repackage it and resell it (laughs) put a different headline on it it's all I'm all yours (laughs) how was your week my week was good on the Christmas theme of December being Christmas, I got my Christmas tree this week, which was very exciting. I don't know how you did this, by the way. I did forget for, I think, the third year running, and I'm not I'm not bullshitting you either, I completely forgot that I'm allergic to real Christmas trees. The funny thing is, is Ollie and I were 
assembling your Christmas tree for you yes. while you sat on the couch. For well, no reason. Like I didn't even know about my, I didn't remember my allergies then. I was just lazy. Yeah, exactly. You were just sitting on the couch filming everything. We're holding up the Christmas tree, putting it together. I love that the three people in the room, you, myself and your boyfriend, the three people who dealt with your complaining about your Christmas tree allergy last year did not twig that this was not a good idea for you to have a real huge ginormous Christmas tree in your apartment. No, it's fine being in my apartment. I'm just not allowed to touch it. I cannot touch it because then I have like a roaring rash all over my body on the, places, on the places that it touched. So I am not looking my best, nor am I feeling my best. I'm just sort of like doing rogue scratching under the table while we're recording. Ew. So it's true. I can't, I can't lie to the listeners. That's what's happened. So I love Christmas. I just happen to be allergic to it. I'm a pickle of contradictions. Is a that, pickle. Is that a thing? <laughs> Have you tried like Claritine? Yeah, I took it last year. It worked. It worked a treat. I've also Great. got aloe vera on. So we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. My recommendation this week is a story written by Cassie David for Airmail Weekly. Now, I don't know if you've heard of Airmail Weekly, Mish. What the fuck is that? It was a news website started in 2018 by Graydon Carter, who used to be the editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair. Right. He was editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair for more than 20 years. Like, is an institution wow. in and of himself in the media industry. He and a few other editors got together and started this website called Airmail Weekly, which is essentially just a subscription-based service where you receive an email every Saturday with long-form, juicy kind of gossipy articles. Interesting. Good concept, I think. Cassie David, also for those unaware, is the daughter of Larry David. You might have seen her name around a fuckload because she's just released her first book. Yes. And she also happens to be the ex-girlfriend of Pete Davidson. This article that I want to recommend that she wrote for Airmail Weekly is called Ex Dysmorphia. And she writes about the fact, um, she writes about the time that Pete Davidson left her for Ariana Grande. Now, she never names Ariana Grande, but she writes about that experience of watching your ex move on with someone and just sort of retracing both of their every steps of going down social media rabbit holes. It reminded me a little bit of that article we spoke about. I don't even know if it was this year last or the year before. I think it was early this year. Early this year. Like, what, are, what is time? <laughs> In 2020. When New York Times writer Lindsay Krauss wrote about finding out that her ex-boyfriend was dating Lady Gaga. Nightmare. That article was a bit funnier than <laughs> Cassie David's for ML Weekly. But I just think from the perspective of Pete Davidson's ex of the fact that Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande got engaged very, very quickly. It's just a really interesting, juicy piece given she doesn't name them, but it's very clearly who it's about. Yeah. And I mean, I say it would be a nightmare to find out your partner is now dating an A-list celebrity because, of course, we should be supportive of all women. I'm saying it would be a nightmare for me internally to be comparing myself to a Hollywood star of the likes of Ariana Grande or Lady Gaga. Exactly. So I will pop the link to that one in our show notes. And if you haven't heard of Airmail Weekly, check them out. I will also put the link to that one in our show notes too. Thank you so much, Zara. It is time to move on to the shameless hotline. Of course it is, fast becoming my favourite segment of every episode. We are starting today with Sarah. Hi, girls. So here's my celebrity encounter. It's from a few years ago. But my boyfriend and I were in Vegas one night and it was about three o'clock in the morning and we were walking through the Venetian hotel and we heard at the, so loud at the top of the lungs someone with an Australian accent saying I don't care if the gondola is closed I want a fucking <laughs> gondola ride open it please and my husband and I looked at each other and thought that's an Australian accent what is going on? So we walked past the gondola ride 
only to see standing there yelling that she wanted a fucking gondola ride, even if the gondola was closed. We stopped and my husband asked her for a photo and she pulled her shit together so quickly and she was so lovely. She had a chat to us about where we were from and what we were doing in Vegas, took some photos with us and then went on her way. So that's our celebrity encounter. It was pretty funny and she was so lovely. Mish, the first time I heard this, I think this is the third time I've listened to this voicemail now. Actually, the first two times, I thought they were in Venice. I don't care if the gondola is closed. I want a fucking gondola ride. Since when are there gondolas in Vegas? I'm going to have to fucking do it. So it's the Venetian Hotel. I thought this was Venice as well. Vegas and gondola rides just don't seem to be like symbiotic to me. Gondola rides, things to do in Las Vegas. I'm here right now. Price. $29 per person from Monday through to Thursday. Pretty affordable. (laughs) Actually, I think the more important (laughs) fact of this story is ride hours. (laughs) Indoor, Monday to Thursday, 10 till 11. She was four hours out of her. (laughs) She was four hours late. I want a fucking gondola ride. The thing about this is this is one of Australia's sweethearts. It is. And guys, we've had to beep out the name again because I don't want some type of lawsuit against our name for accusing a absolute Australian sweetheart of wanting a fucking gondola ride at 3am in Vegas. But we've got to be safe. Have a think. Who is an Australian pop star? Who is the sweetheart of Australian pop music? You might be on the money. There's a few. So there's a few <laughs> to choose from. It makes it a bit more vague. But i got to say, if you want a gondola ride, you want a gondola ride. I also very much appreciate that she pulled herself together and was just an absolute delight for the, the fans. That is a professional celebrity. You yeah. know your shit when one second you complain about a fucking gondola ride and the next second you're posing for photos with your fans. By the way, guys, if you want us to use that little snippet as our new transition, maybe it's time to fuck off thank you next bitch and do I want a fucking gondola ride (laughs) I don't care if it's 3am and I don't know know when this celebrity became British as well (laughs) Mish we've also got another one this is less defamatory we're not beeping the shit out of this one this one's from Georgina who had a very lovely run-in with a very unexpected Australian celebrity hello this is in relation to meeting celebrities I'm a little late to the party Shane Warne Warney was surprisingly really lovely. I worked at a venue and served him and he gave me a big old tip at the end and was really kind and I was truly taken back. Shane. Shaney boy. Bless you, Shane. Not to say we underestimated you. I mean, some tabloid headlines about you don't really line up with this story, but so glad to hear it. So glad that Shameless can serve as the reputation rehab for Australian celebrities. <laughs> Since when did this become reputation? It's also not reputation rehab if people found out the names of these other <laughs> random stories. But I agree. I don't know if Shane warns the reputation that we want to be reforming single-handedly on this show. Oh, but I don't know. But perhaps if he ever sees us in a restaurant, he might give us one of our own tips. I think I'm Shane Warner Jason. Don't come for me if he's done anything super problematic. I'm like scanning the I know. the like history in my brain and all that keeps coming up is he's a playboy, he's a playboy, he's a playboy. And I'm adjacent to playboys. So I am also adjacent <laughs> to playboys. I gotta say, Mish, I reckon I'm spending a good four hours of my week right now going through hotline messages and I am not <laughs> complaining. But what I want to do is I want, I have to be honest here, as someone who's trawled through the hotline, nothing has really beaten the dog kicker. And when we say beaten, let's put our hands up and say, 
We're not asking for your stories about celebrity animal cruelty. No, please, let's not go down that path. We are fiercely anti-animal cruelty here at Shameless. However, we do want to exceed the star power and the, like, the lols and the vibes of that particular voicemail message. If you can send me a better, more defamatory, <laughs> that I will beep out voicemail of an Australian celebrity. I'll put something on the line. We've got two episodes left of the year. I will put, you know, what do you call it? Voucher on the line. A, a voucher. prize on the line. Yep, a prize on the line. Thoroughly non-sponsored. Thoroughly non-sponsored. All right, why not, Mish, I'll put $500 voucher what? on the table for the brand of whoever's choice if they can find me a better voicemail than the one from last week. Your money or our money? Ours? <laughs> okay, all right, fine. Shameless podcast will buy you a voucher of any store that you like to the value of $500 if before the end of 2020, before our final episode in the final week of December or the week before Christmas, you have to give us a better voicemail, you'll win $500 to a store of your choice. Yeah, so sure. get calling. I mean, I don't have that much more time in my week, but sure, I'll keep listening. <laughs> Let's get into our first segment of the day. Obviously, 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 we are starting with Spotify Wrapped. Exactly. When you weren't trawling through your hotline messages, you were trawling through your Spotify Wrapped. Zara, how is that as a segui? Not a bad segui. I was. I actually, what the listeners would not have heard is that I tried to segui from <laughs> hotline to this segment about three times and didn't get there. So <laughs> I had the goods. Don't worry about it. So obviously this week, everyone was talking about Spotify wrapped. It was all over social media. It was top trending on Twitter, right around the Western world. It was all over my Instagram feed, particularly my Instagram stories. And I've got to tell you, there must have been some potent FOMO from the Apple Music listeners who don't get a version of this at the end of every calendar year. I did see some good memes about Apple Music fans just sort of like locked out, like in a jail cell being like, let us in, let us in. Because it is something that the minute I saw people posting theirs, it was like a mad dash to be like, or a mad rush to be like, what's mine? Yes. What's mine? And we were trying to Google how to find our Spotify wrapped before it was actually advertised to us so I could jump on the bandwagon. I do have a little something to admit. I couldn't actually share my most played artists or songs because my top five songs for the entire year (laughs) were from a certain musician who happened to halfway through the year turned into a a certain kind of COVID denier. And I swear (laughs) I played these songs before I knew that he was excessively problematic. He's a vehement anti-vaxxer. I think everybody knows who I'm talking about. I think his name (laughs) rhymes with Yiggy Yelbert. (laughs) And so I came up and my top five songs were Diggy Delberts, Diggy Delberts, Diggy Delberts, Diggy Delberts. And I'm like, well, fuck this. He was also my fifth most played song. My top four, though, were all Taylor Swift. Iggy Elberts also did feature. Are we calling him Diggy Elberts or Iggy Elberts? Iggy Elberts? Iggy Elberts also featured in my top artists as well. But Taylor Swift did take out the top four. Everything from folklore basically was up high for me. And that's a proud moment as Michelle Andrews to stick by what I do every year, which is just play the shit out of Taylor Swift. Well, it's good to know that your actions line up with your words. You know, people that say that they love certain things but their actions don't quite reflect that it's good to know that you stick to the cause there is something so 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 clever about a campaign like this every single year I feel like I say it to myself Michelle like it plays directly on the fact that we are living in a world so fixated on dare I say personal branding individualism performative and public declarations of stuff that says like this is me Mm. like this is who I am this is what I do when nobody's looking and I found myself like looking at my own genres and I'm pretty sure my first two was like I'm pretty sure my first two were like 
pop, Australian pop. But then somehow I had Indietronica and EDM in there. I found myself very proud of myself because I was like, look at this versatile woman with layers. Like I reckon everybody looks at their Spotify rap and if they are proud of it, they consider themselves a very versatile human being like an onion with layers. And then there's me who's the most basic bitch under the planet. My top three artists were Taylor Swift, Lord, and Billie Eilish. True to my basic bitch roots. I do want to deflate your tyres just a little bit though on the genre discussion. Oh, yeah. no, no. Because my Spotify rap tried to tell me that I discovered 78 new genres of music in 2020, which just sounds fake. Like, let's call a spade a spade. I fucking love your basic bitch pop music. There is no way I discovered 78 new genres. There's no way 78 genres of music even exist. What is Indietronica? I have literally not a clue in the world. I couldn't tell you which actual artist corresponds to Indietronica or EDM. I found it interesting as well, this genre thing, because apparently throughout this year, I listened to 199 genres of music. (laughs) One of the genres that was making news this week was one called Escape Room. And everybody was posting on Twitter being like, what the fuck is Escape Room and how is it a genre? Junkie wrote an explainer, and I don't know if it was ironic or if it was serious, but I I laughed. (laughs) Uh, Because apparently under the genre Escape Room, you see artists like Charlie XEX, Sophie, Janelle Monae, Blood Orange, MIA, JPEG Mafia and Lizzo, (laughs) half of those people I, I don't actually know <laughs> but apparently it's it's fairly close to other genres like chip hop Australian R&B hyper pop and trap queen poor Justin Bieber because last week we went to town on him for saying that he was an R&B artist not a pop star imagine if he'd come out and he's like actually I'm a bit of escape room with a mixture of indie tronica and trap queen <laughs> hyper pop I did think it was interesting Mish one thing when I was going back through Spotify's like almost official release mm about what we were listening to this year is there was actually a great quote from Vanity Fair last year where they called Spotify geniuses for turning its data on us into free promotion for them. And (laughs) I was like, it's quite a good point. Anyway, I'm rolling with it. But in their official release where they spoke to what we were listening to, what the trends were for the year, Halsey was the fifth most streamed female artist this year. And after hours by The weekend was the second most streamed album and neither of them have a Grammy nom to their name. And that's exactly what we were talking about last week. Yeah, exactly right. Blinding Lights, again, guys, hate to say that we were on the money, but (laughs) it was the most streamed song globally as well as in Australia. So for Blinding Lights not to get any recognition at the Grammys is a blight on the Grammys. They now look kind of stupid. This is literally the most popular song around the world and yet they completely ignored it and ignored The weekend. Do you think we are also obsessed with Spotify wrapped and in particular wrapped 2020? I would say this year has been the biggest year for Spotify with this promotion because we love astrology, we love horoscopes, we love doing personality tests. We truly just love anything that acts as a mirror to show us who we are and what we stand for. Absolutely. I really enjoyed looking at people's wrapped this year. And I know some people will disagree with that because there are also a million tweets and a million memes being like, literally no one cares about your Spotify wrapped. And I was like, yeah, kind of fair, but I still care. I think it's silly but very unique insight into how people spend their time when no one's watching. I don't know if that sounds overly earnest, but we did have a year where everybody was confined to their own homes. I felt in particular this year I gravitated to music more than I ever have. I think because we spent so many months in lockdown, I needed to feel the silence with something Mm. and I found music quite comforting. And there is something nice to wonder, well, how did other people feel their silence and how Mm. did other people feel their space? Like I said, I mean, that may be an overly earnest interpretation of 
of what Spotify Wrapped is. But I do think my threshold for self-indulgent content on Instagram right now is getting higher, which is, I wonder if that's a thing. If you just give less fucks about what other people are doing on Instagram as you get older. But I don't care if people want to post all day, every day about their Spotify Wrapped. I kind of enjoyed it. No. And I think we, well, particularly I, need to retract something I said over a year ago on this podcast. Is this the time when we did a whole segment? Yes. Ripping into people who post about birthdays on Instagram? Yes. This is the thing about doing a podcast where you share opinions every single week and you're growing and maturing a lot in your 20s at the same time. I look back on some of the things we've said on this podcast and I'm like, no, that's just not it. (laughs) That's not it. (laughs) That ain't it. And one of those moments where that wasn't it was when we spoke about people sharing screenshots on their Instagram story of all the outpouring of love and support they get on their birthdays. For some reason, you and I had a really weird take in September. (laughs) It was September 16, 2019. And we must have been in a bad mood collectively because we did an entire segment on people resharing happy birthday messages (laughs) and saying it was self-indulgent. Let me clarify, and maybe this needs to be a new segment in 2021 where we call retract it please wipe that from my record I don't agree with that anymore if you want to celebrate your birthday in whatever fucking way you want go for it yeah I have to agree that is actually it's very funny that we bring this up in the context of Spotify wrapped because I do think exercises in vanity on Instagram worry me far less as I get older I don't know have I just like has this year just been very long and I just feel very tired and I don't really care what people are doing as much anymore as long as they're not harming anyone do whatever you want stay happy (laughs) good night I just can't be fucked keep staying positive and testing (laughs) negative (laughs) coming up after the break say hello to Elliot Page Rihanna's new boyfriend and the conservatives who really don't like Harry Styles's dress but first a word from today's sponsor And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you a as always, we bring you the top five news stories from the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity. <laughs> Why do I still struggle with this line? What is it has it? been three years. Come on. <clears throat> Can I have another go, please? Oh, I, I demand <laughs> that you do. I think it's necessary. Now I have performance anxiety. Okay. And now it is time for the quick and dirty, where every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity news cycle. You were, you had that look on when you're really concentrating and you're staring into sort of thin air, but well done. <laughs> what have you got for me? My first story, Juno star Elliot Page announces he is transgender. That is from the Sydney Morning Herald. What a news story. You guys might recognise Elliot Page because they are the 33-year-old Canadian actor known, of course, for the critically acclaimed 2007 comedy drama Juno. I found it so funny this week, Mish, when a lot of the news stories were talking about Elliot Page announcing he is transgender. Everybody kept saying Umbrella Academy star and I was like, no, he's a Juno star. (laughs) Anyway, the Juno and Umbrella Academy star did post a, a pretty heartfelt message on social media on Wednesday morning saying, he felt lucky to be writing this, to be here, to have arrived at this place in my life, clarifying that he will be using he and they pronouns going forward. I feel overwhelming gratitude for the incredible people who have supported me along this journey. I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self. 
Love that so much. I didn't realize before this week, but I was doing some digging into Elliot Page's career and I didn't realize how much they have been put through when it comes to their sexuality and their gender identity in Hollywood. There's a really gross story that was only published a few years ago, Zara, where Page accused his X-Men producer of telling an entire room of actors and staff that he was gay before he had personally come out and told the world that. He was only 18 at the time and this very influential X-Men producer got up and told an entire room Elliot Page didn't come out and announce that he was queer until 2014. So almost a decade later, I mean, between 2005 and 2014, I can't imagine how traumatising and how frustrating that would be to have your sexuality announced to a room of people without you having the power to do that yourself. Yeah, and I think with the backdrop of a story like that, it becomes all the more moving when you read his statement again to say, I am lucky to be writing this and to be here. Mm. Because I think if you often are put in a position that he was put in in 2005, what's to say you're going to feel supported? making an announcement like this. Mm. Elliot's wife, the 26-year-old dancer Emma Portner, also posted a message of support on her own Instagram writing, I am so proud of Elliot Page. Trans, queer and non-binary people are a gift to this world. I also ask for patience and privacy, but that you join me in the fervent support of trans life every day. Elliot's existence is a gift in and of itself. Shine on, sweetie. What a beautiful statement. Story number two, everything we know about Rihanna and ASAP Rocky's relationship, that is from Harper's Bazaar. This is almost like too much power in one relationship. It's almost not fair. Rihanna and ASAP Rocky, it's like the supernova of celebrity relationships. I was a bit surprised when I saw this announced during the week. I mean, I say that, but I also feel like there have been slight murmurings of the relationship between Rihanna and ASAP Rocky for a couple of months now because they've been friends for so, so long. I mean, back in 2013, ASAP Rocky... Rocky opened for Rihanna as part of her Diamonds World Tour. What a blast from the past. <laughs> he also joined the singer on her 2011 track, Cockiness, from her Talk That Talk album. Yeah. And so earlier this year, there were whispers that they were potentially sleeping together or seeing each other casually. Rihanna split with her boyfriend of three years, the Toyota heir, Hassan Jamil, in January. And soon after that was staying at a hotel with ASAP Rocky. When there were kind of like tabloid murmurings about them potentially seeing each other, sources came out and said she's just like living her single life she's having fun it's nothing serious but what's changed is it does seem like over the last 10 months or 11 months it has become serious sources close to the pair have said yes they are in a relationship they have walked red carpets together as recently as a couple of months ago they've been papped out at dinner together, looking very, very much like a couple. And I've got to say, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, I'm pretty keen on it too. I mean, they also, as you said, collaborated on a Fenty skin release in August this year. So Mm. it may have been a BYO boyfriend to work (laughs) job, perhaps. I do feel, I've got to say, the forgotten person in this story is old Hassan Jamil, who I know will be fine because he has literally all the money in the world. (laughs) But it's not a great thing when it's like literally the guy... They tell you not to worry about what's that mean? Yes. I've completely cooked it. Yes. You versus the guy they tell you not to worry about. And it always ends up being the guy they tell you not to worry about. Well, I didn't realise ASAP Rocky was connected to Kendall Jenner for a certain yes. amount of time as well. So these two have been friends for almost a decade and have always dated other people, but have finally come together at the age of 32. I'm just excited, guys. This is such a good love story. If they end up together, I love the love stories where you're friends for ages. It's like Zoe Foster Blake and Hamish Blake being friends for 10 years, then getting together. Okay, getting well ahead of yourself, right? Right now, because <laughs> neither Rihanna or ASAP Rocky have officially confirmed the story, but sure, let's imagine the marriage and babies. Story number three: Caroline Calloway made hundred and thirty thousand dollars on OnlyFans and used it to pay for her botched book deal debt. That is from Pedestrian TV. A 
big story out of Caroline Calloway camp this week. If the listeners are thinking, Caroline Calloway. Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. How do I know Caroline Calloway? She rose to fame. I mean, officially rose to fame. I think it was last year when she said she was running creativity workshops for her many followers, charged them out of their ass and kind of... (laughs) Didn't really put together the creativity Charged workshop. Charged them out of their oh, Sorry, yeah, it's not the, it is not the sexiest saying in the world. Oh, fucking snort for me, would you? <laughs> oh, there was a mini one there. Anyway, charged them out of their ass. Didn't really put the creativity workshop together in a way that people thought was deserving of their money. Her creativity workshops were deemed like fire festival of the Instagram space. Mm-hmm. The other reason that people know Caroline Calloway is because when she initially started building a following on Instagram, she was part publishing these very long, almost poetic captions. And a book publisher went to her and said, do you want to write a book based on your Instagram captions? She called her captions little memoirs. And so Caroline Calloway signed a contract with the book publisher for half a million dollars US, by the way, and never produced the book. So the contract fell apart and she ended up owing the book publisher over $100,000 US. I think it was about $130,000 Australian. (sighs) Huge amount of money. The reason that she's in the news this week is she finally repaid her book debt using OnlyFans. She was very open throughout the year about needing to use, in her words, needing to use OnlyFans to pay back this debt. And she wrote on Instagram, after living for five years with a giant six-figure debt hanging over my head, I thought I'd never be able to get out of, it's done. I always got a little bit pissed off when people said that I shouldn't be on OnlyFans because I didn't need the money. But where else can you make over a hundred grand in one summer? (laughs) She's not wrong though. She did cop a bit for being on OnlyFans and it seemed like very legitimate criticism too about Caroline Calloway kind of co-opting a space that wasn't her own. Mm, How are you feeling? Do you need a Powerade? I actually need to breathe. (laughs) Just saying all of that. I was just sitting here in awe. I was like, I'm just going to let her go. (laughs) Just take the whole story. Yeah, it's an interesting one because now she's saying, well, I'm going to pull away from OnlyFans because I've made the money. But in the same breath is saying, but I'm not pulling away today and I don't know when I will pull away. She just said, I'll pull away soon because now I think some of that criticism was warranted, but I don't think that I can tell you when I'm going to pull away. When I've made enough coin and I deem it to be enough, I will pull away. By the way, Caroline, I don't think you'll ever get to a point where like, this is enough money now, I'm going to step away. Another point on top of that point, how the fuck does someone get a $500,000 book deal anywhere? Like the US is just crazy when it comes to books and it makes my eyes water. It should also be noted on top of all of this, because Caroline Calloway is the scammer to end all scammers, she is scamming people again. She has a self-published <laughs> book this year. I'm actually fucking exhausted from this story, but please keep going. Called Scammer. And has repeatedly, month after month, she said in March that it was like all copy edited and good to go and ready to be released to the fans, then has pushed it back month after month for various reasons. She blamed the pandemic. She said that there was family illnesses going on that prevented her from getting the book out. However, that was March and like August and now we're in December and she has clarified that actually she hasn't finished the book at all and if you pre-ordered it, It will come, hopefully, eventually, but not anytime soon. In fact, when someone asked her to send her a blurb of the book Zara, she said no, and it was a gamble. (laughs) (laughs) This is on you. This is a new way to gamble, i got to say. Gamble on books. Anyway, so that's the news from Caroline Calloway. I guess we'll see her pop back in the quick and dirty in about a year. (laughs) My fourth story. Bachelorette Ellie Miles confirms split with winner Fraser Neat after weeks of speculation. That is from Perth now. Poor 
Ali Miles. Yeah, it was a hard one to watch this week. So for those who may have missed it, obviously Ellie Miles was one half of our bachelorette. That's even <laughs> what we call it with her sister Becky this year. We've spoken about them a couple of times on the microphone. Becky didn't end up with the person that she picked, Pete, mm. even by the time the finale had aired in Australia. Ellie had announced that she was still dating Fraser, but there were some weird stories going around in the weeks after the Bachelorette finale, and it turns out this week that she's uploaded a video saying the two are no longer together. Yeah, I think she actually handled this perfectly. I it was, was going to say. It was only a three, three-and-a-half-minute video on her Instagram stories, but the way Ellie handled this in that she did address the many, many cheating rumours about Fraser that are circulating, but she didn't confirm or deny. She handled it in a really classy way to say... Look, he said he hasn't, but all I know is I gave my all in this relationship. And I think anyone who watched that video would kind of feel their heartbreak for her. You could really see a woman who has been through it over the last few months. She truly looked like this bachelorette experience has in some ways broken her. Yeah, it it was a really sad video to watch because you could tell how clearly shaken she had been by the breakup. Mm. It was obvious that she had tried very hard to make it work and I can't even fathom how hard it would have been to make it work not just long distance but also long distance while a lot of these stories were being made public Mm. like not knowing what to believe not knowing what's true not knowing who to trust I think in this bubble would be really really difficult and I think she made a comment on the caption of her Instagram video where she said please be kind like I know that I put myself in this position where I publicly sought to find a partner but unless you've been in this position you would never understand and I think that's pretty bang on like yes I agree that she did put herself in this position, she did want to be bachelorette, but that does not mean that any part of it is easy. I think it would be very difficult. And I saw a couple of comments from Angie Kent, yes, Carlin as well, who said, like, we know exactly what you're going through, sending you love. I do think there's probably a lot that she wouldn't have expected she was going to experience in being the bachelorette. Mm. And I, I, my heart goes out to her. Dare I say as well, I think the bachelorettes have it a bit tougher than the bachelors do. I think the women going on this show are more likely to be hopeless romantics who actually do want a romantic relationship. I feel like the recent bachelorettes we've had in Ellie and Becky, in Angie Kent, Ellie Ochen, Sophie Monk, I feel like they really do get that frat boy, boys trip vibe of the contestants going on. And it truly doesn't seem like many, maybe only a couple on each season are genuinely in invested in a relationship the rest of them just want to go on for a holiday yeah I do agree with that so Ellie I mean if Ellie's listening or if anyone wants to pass this on to Ellie we are thinking of you I do think she handled it in about as perfect a way as she possibly could she's better off without him if you ask me (laughs) (laughs) sorry my fifth story Tara Reid trying to recruit Nicole Kidman for her new film via Instagram is pure chaotic energy that is another one from pedestrian did you see this story around this week I only saw it because you told me I absolutely had to read it and it was the best story ever. Why do you love this? It was pretty hilarious. So this week, Nicole Kidman shared a photo on Instagram. It was a still from her very popular show, The Undoing. Neither of us have watched that yet, but it is on my list. So she posted a photo from the show and the show is doing really well. Tara Reid jumps into the comments and says, you are truly amazing in everything you do. I've been a huge fan forever. Hopefully one day we can work together soon. I'm producing a movie, Mashes Mushrooms. It's starring Vivica Fox, Billy Zane, Beverly D'Angelo, myself, Tara Reid, Sage and others. It is truly an amazing script. I would love for you to read it. Shoreline and Universal are doing it. It's a franchise of five films. If you can follow me so I can tell you more. Kindly, 
Tara. I mean, this is from a verified official account. Yes, 100%. And I think that's not even the funniest part about this story. In a follow-up interview about this comment left on Nicole Kidman's photo, because obviously every news outlet picked it up and ran with it, (laughs) being like Tara Reid's trying to recruit Nicole Kidman via Instagram comments. She said she doesn't think it was her who wrote the comment. She cannot confirm if it was the Tara Reid who posted on the Tara Reid's Instagram (laughs) the comment to Nicole Kidman. She said in a radio interview... I don't think I did because I think I'm not the only one who controls my Instagram. So there's a couple of people that do it. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) When asked by the hosts if the Undoing Star had replied, Tara said, I haven't read anything yet on private messages, so I don't think so. So who knows? (laughs) How can you say I don't know if it was me? You either wrote the message or you didn't. I don't know. It's such a classic, but it also does put one bit of seed of doubt in my mind. Like what if it wasn't her? This is the classic like it was dot, 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 dot. Rebecca Vardy's account. <laughs> yeah, that's literally the thought that crossed my mind. Hey, that is all I've got for you today. Thank you so much. Thank you, next bitch. Bring back manly men. Such is the catchphrase of the last week after pop sensation Harry Styles spectacularly trolled conservative commentator Candace Owens after she denigrated his Vogue cover shoot from a couple of weeks back. You see, for December's Vogue cover, you may remember that Harry Styles posed in a dress. Owens did not like that, writing on Twitter, bring back manly men. This week, Styles had the last laugh posting a photo from the shoot on Instagram with the caption, yep, bring back manly men. Mish, so, so much to unpack here, but the place I wanted to start is with a question, why are conservatives so fearful of men in dresses? This is a really interesting one. I think after doing some reading and after thinking about it and talking to loved ones about it, I think conservatives and people who exist on the right side of politics and really do appreciate, I guess, the way things used to be done in the good old days, and I'm putting that in inverted commas, is structure. They like when there's a place for everything. They like hierarchies. They like ways to categorise things. They like quite rigid boundaries of what society is. And when they see millennials and Gen Zers absolutely adore this pop star, probably the most sexy, adored, loved pop star of our generation, wearing a dress and being praised for it, conservatives see the erosion of the boundaries that they so cherish and love. Well, it's not even just boundaries that they cherish and love, but it's boundaries that have kind of afforded them the power positions that they're now in. For more context on what Candace Owens actually wrote a couple of weeks ago, and you may remember this being in the news a couple of weeks ago, she wrote on Twitter, there is no society that can survive without strong men. The East knows this. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It is an outright attack. Bring back manly men. The interesting thing about Candace Owens when I was doing some digging this week, Michelle, is that she wasn't always this conservative. No. In 2015, she was the CEO of Degree 180, which is a marketing agency, which had on its website a blog post or various blog posts, one in particular that Candace Owens wrote for the site where she criticised very conservative Republicans, writing about the batshit crazy antics of the Republican Tea Party, adding, the good news is they will eventually die off peacefully in their sleep, we hope, and then we can get right on with the obvious social change that needs to happen immediately in capitals. Mm. Now, this is only five years ago, so this is a pretty stark 180 from a woman who is now one of the 
most famous faces of the far-right movement in the US. Absolutely. I mean, Candace Owens admits that in 2017 she became a conservative overnight. <laughs> so what happened was she was embroiled in an internet controversy. Candace Owens believed that the criticism and the trolling she got was from far-left groups. And because of the way she individually felt like she was treated by a certain faction of people, became conservative, which is the most backwards way to approach <laughs> politics that you put yourself at the centre of everything and think that the way you're treated by other people on that side indicates that you should then be on the other, on the other side. It's like treating, I don't know, politics like tribalism, like I belong to this tribe, you belong to that tribe and that's it. Not thinking what do my values align with and what do my beliefs align with. Well, it's kind of like which side do I have more friends on because that's the side yeah. I'll gravitate to. It's really odd. I think one thing that I want to make note of before we really get into this properly, Mish, is that yes, Harry Styles was very widely celebrated for wearing a dress and has been very widely celebrated for a long time for not really giving a fuck about what he wears in a binary sense. But he is obviously not the first person in history by any stretch, not the first man by any stretch or non-binary person to come out and wear clothes like this. And I think it's good when someone like Harry Styles can be a really famous face for it, that it should be noted. People like gender non-conforming performance artist Alok Vade Menon highlighted this issue saying that, yes, it was great that people like Harry Styles are doing what he's doing, but other people have been doing it for a while. They wrote on Instagram, a lot of people have been asking me what I think about it. And I'll say this, am I happy to see Harry be celebrated for openly flouting gendered fashion norms? Yes. Do trans femme of colour receive praise for doing the same thing every day? No. Do I think this is a sign of progress of society's evolution away from binary gender? Yes. Do I think that white men should be upheld as the face of gender neutral fashion? No. So I thought that was a really nice way to put it, that yes, Harry is one of the most famous faces when we talk about this now in 2020, but he's certainly not the first. And I think he's been able to do this because a lot of people have gone before him. Yeah. And I think that example of a Lockveid Menon is really important as is looking across history and looking at all the different performance artists who have been wearing dresses as men or however they identify for decades. I mean, David Bowie posed an address on the cover of a magazine in 1971. <laughs> and this is what baffles me about this conversation and what baffles me about Candace Owens in that we've had Kurt Cobain and David Bowie posing in dresses and dressing femininely for decades and society didn't cease to function. Society didn't collapse. We're all still here. Everyone's still fine. And that's what really intrigues me, that someone like Candace Owens can get up on Twitter and say, oh, we're going to have the end of society as we know it, guys. Everything's going to collapse. Everything's fucked. Everyone beware. Harry Styles is in a dress. When we can look back and be like, you know what, Candace, everything seemed pretty <laughs> fine since 1971. I'm still living and breathing. You're still living and breathing. And that's why I think their argument will just never ever stand up and why I will never ever understand the 110,000 people who sided with her on that tweet. When you say sided with her, did they like the comment? Liked the comment. Yeah, it's a hard one because I always want to think when I see huge traction around a tweet, then I'm like, well, it's not always positive energy. And I think that's why Twitter changed how it looks like when you retweet. It's either retweet or quote tweet because sometimes people retweet something with a rebuttal at the top. But you can't really argue with likes, I don't think, can no. you? And that's why I feel sometimes really disenfranchised when we discuss things like this because the Vogue shoot and the original tweet quoting Harry Styles and quoting why he liked to wear dresses had 80,000 likes. And the response from Candace Owens had more likes. And I think sometimes when you see that as a progressive, it is a stark reality and kind of an unfortunate circumstance that 
Although I so purely believe that the average person will not be personally offended by Harry Styles wearing whatever the fuck he wants to wear, unfortunately, so many people are scared and are not critical thinkers and instantaneously go, oh, I don't like it. Men shouldn't wear dresses and refuse to ever think beyond that very rigid notion. Liz Plank wrote a really good story for MSNBC where she wrote, shockingly, men don't come out of utero sporting a nifty pair of trousers or cargo shorts. In fact, pants made their first appearance when humans started riding horses about 3,000 years ago. Owens might find it noteworthy that that's also why high heels were invented and why men wore them first. But since pants really seem important to people like Owens, let's talk about the several men unequivocally touted as historical models of manliness who never wore pants. She then noted, Jesus... Hercules, Gandalf, and every Supreme Court judge. Well, this is the thing. I think for so many people and so many creatives in particular, they see expression through fashion as artistic. They see it as freeing. They see it as frivolous and fun and fluid. And that's why it's so baffling to see other people view fashion almost as a prison or a cage to which we need to categorise people with. Yeah, that's so true. Like with Harry, his quote in Vogue really stood out to me. He said, to not wear something because it's female's clothing, you shut out a whole world of great clothes. And I think what's exciting about right now is you can wear whatever you like. It doesn't have to be X or Y. Those lines are becoming more and more blurred. As they should be too. There was such a good tweet from J.P. Brahma as well where he wrote, bring back manly men is dangerous because you're really describing a pretty narrow window of recent time like you overshoot by even a little bit and they're all wearing wigs and capes, which is what (laughs) we said before. It's an interesting conversation to have just a week or two after Movember finished here in Australia, which is a movement to kind of raise huge awareness for men's mental health and male rate of suicide. And it, it does make me wonder, like, what even maketh a manly man? Because based on their definition, people like Candace Owens and people like, I guess, Ben Shapiro, who also weighed in on this, it's the damaging perception that men are not open or vulnerable. Because mm. if they were open or vulnerable, they'd be able to wear whatever they want. Like I said, one white cisgendered pop star isn't going to overhaul all of our gender conversations, nor is it really going to overhaul our conversations about men's mental health and the the prison that they are in because of the patriarchy. But it does encourage a dialogue of like, be whoever you want to be, be yourself, express yourself in whichever way feels best, whether that be through emotions, through clothes or through art. The boxes we put men in are the things that directly impact their mental health and encourage them to suffer more. Like expression is the core of all of our sense of selves. And I think for all of us, not being caged is going to be crucial to all of our sanity. Mm. Do you think Candace Owens is actually concerned for the destruction of society? This is what gets me right. Candace Owens, I don't agree with basically anything she says, but I will acknowledge she's a smart communicator. She's a clever communicator. I don't think you can build a brand or an audience to the level that she has if you're not very, very good at communication. However, I think what she does is simply parrot back to her audience what they want to hear. I do not believe that Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens actually think Harry Styles wearing a dress on the cover of Vogue is going to do any damage to society or the hierarchical structure that we currently live under. But I loved this quote from EJ Dixon from Rolling Stone who put it perfectly. Rather than embracing a more flexible and inclusive approach toward masculinity, conservatives must perform outrage, if not just to preserve their more traditionalist audiences, but to preserve the patriarchal status quo that ensures they have such audiences to begin with. In truth, there is nothing remotely threatening to anyone about Harry Styles and address. But in order to maintain their grip on institutional power, Shapiro and Owens must at least 
fame that there is. I had that last quote written down from EJ Dixon too, there is nothing remotely threatening to anyone about it and it's just so that they can maintain their hold on institutional power and it's absolutely true. People like Candace Owens played into the patriarchy in order to get to the top. That is why she's there. She isn't there in spite of it. She is there because of it. She needs the patriarchy to maintain her power and the patriarchy, amongst a few other things, is dependent on gender roles being firm and fixed. Mm. And so without that, without these structures, like we said at the very start, without these boxes, without caging people, these people have no power. Mm. Another quote I love from Marcy Bianco for NBC was, conservatives, consciously or not, view traditional boundaries as fundamental not only to society's permanence, but also their very own understanding of themselves. It's no surprise they express panic when gender becomes a disco. Her final line was, where people like styles find freedom in the in-between, in crossing borders and boundaries, others, like Owens, find destruction. Yeah, wow. But then, I mean, we're assuming that she even cares that much. Like, mm. part of me wonders if she genuinely even cares that much, which makes me even sadder, I think, because it is just this idea that people are stirring up outrage for the sake of maintaining their mm. own relevancy and profile. But I don't know, at the end of the day, there were some other really good points that I read that was just like, Vogue magazine is a magazine that sells dresses. Yes, And this is what it was. It was a dress on the cover that was designed to be sold. And it fucking looked good as well. Exactly. And that is kind of where the discussion should end. And I also kind of love that teen girls are riling up old conservatives so much. (laughs) Like, I love that conservatives are pulling their hair out, trying to figure out why women love Harry Styles wearing dresses. Please continue to be baffled and annoyed and frustrated and angry because it's hilarious to watch. Hey, that is all we have time for today, I think. Thank you so much, as always, to everyone who listened. We are, of course, still in the middle of our 12 days of giveaways. We absolutely are. There is so much going on. There are so many prizes flying left, right and centre. If you want to get your hands and your friends' hands on some goodies, please come and follow us at Shameless Podcast on Instagram and enter. Enter as many times as you like. The competitions end after 24 hours though, so you've got to be in it to win it. After you enter all of those competitions, come over to our website, www.shamelessthepodcast.com. Look through our back catalogue of interviews, guys. We have more than 100 interviews. Every week, someone will DM us a suggestion for an In Conversation (laughs) episode. For example, Naz Campanella or Rosie Waterland or Courtney Act. And all of those people have been on the podcast before. If you go back through, you will find a treasure trove of interviews. So have a look on our website. You'll find every single person under the sun, basically. What Mish said. And also don't forget, I just threw out a $500 voucher of your choosing for (laughs) anyone who can give me a better, more defamatory celebrity run-in that, of course, I will beep out. For the show, we've got two more shows after this before our Christmas break. So come on, make them count. Make them good. (laughs) Merry Christmas to all. (laughs) Goodbye. To all a good night. Yeah, I'll be saying that every week. See ya. (laughs) Bye. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.